Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. To be heavenly minded means that we set our affection on things above. That we're thinking not to the neglect of our responsibility, but we're thinking primarily about spiritual things, about the things of the kingdom, about what's going to glorify God. As Paul says here, pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. It's an upward call. We're looking to the things of the Spirit. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, in a message titled, Walking Worthy of the Calling. Now, here's Pastor Brian. We're called the servants of the Lord, and that is a privileged position, to be a servant of God. What a wonderful thing. Now, for many people, thinking of being a servant of anybody, that doesn't sound all that attractive. It really depends on who you're serving, who your master is. And of course, our master is the Lord the great, the awesome God. So what a privilege to be a servant of the Lord. It's a a high privilege. And we take our place as the servants of the Lord alongside of people like Abraham. Abraham was the Lord's servant. Or Moses. And Moses, you find so many times in those early books of the Bible, Genesis through... um, Well, in in this case, Exodus through Deuteronomy, so many times where God refers specifically to Moses, my servant, my servant Moses. So uh, a, a position of honor. David would be another example. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she referred to herself as the handmaiden of the Lord, or that's another term for a servant of the Lord. You think of the apostles, The apostles, when they wrote these letters that we're studying, this one here, they would often, almost always, as a matter of fact, refer to themselves as God's servants. But this title, the servant of the Lord, is used specifically for Jesus himself. Behold my servant, the prophet Isaiah said in speaking of Christ. Behold my servant. And Isaiah said that in the 42nd chapter. Isaiah said that in the 53rd chapter, speaking of Jesus. And uh, Mark's entire gospel sort of focuses on Jesus as the servant of the Lord. So here we are, we have been called to be God's servants. And so like Abraham and Moses and David and Mary and the apostles, and like Jesus himself, there's something to being a servant of God. It's a position of privilege. It's a position of honor to be the Lord's servant. But then there's one other that I'll mention here, and that is we have been called friends. Abraham was known as the friend of God. That's how he was distinguished. Abraham, my friend, God said about him. Think about how amazing that is. God would say about you, whatever your name is, so-and-so, my friend, so-and-so. 
That's what God has called us to. He's called us into a friendship. Abraham was a friend of God, but Jesus said to his disciples, he said, I call you friends. I call you friends, he said, because all that the Father has revealed to me, I have made it known to you. Jesus told them intimate kinds of things about himself, about his relationship with the Father. He let them in on these family secrets, if you will. And see, that's a mark of friendship. And so we are also in a position where we share that kind of intimacy, where we have that kind of uh, relationship with God. You know, it's amazing if you think about it, that you can have a friendship with God, with God, a friendship, where there's mutual communication, where there's mutual affection being exchanged, where you can actually have an experience of saying things like, you know, the Lord spoke to me. Or you can say, well, you know, I was talking to the Lord the other day. Now, some people think you're out of your mind you talk like that. What? You, you were talking to God or even... <laughs> More crazy? You, you think God was talking to you? Well, it does sound crazy, but it's true. God talks to us. And you would expect him to if we're his friends, right? Well, that's what he does. And we can have these conversations. It's, it's just so astounding to think that, uh, you know, you can open your eyes in the morning and just strike up a conversation with the Lord. And he responds, I try to have a regular prayer time pretty consistently, and I mostly do my focused prayer time when I'm doing my running because I'm able to concentrate there without distraction. But, you know, much of my run is just a conversation with the Lord. Now, a lot of times I'm doing most of the talking for sure, uh, but it's amazing how the Lord will chime in. He will speak to me. And, and there are times I might be talking to him about something. I might be expressing my feelings about something or my frustration over something. And just in the middle of that, suddenly it, it's just so clear. God speaks to me, shows me what I'm to do about a situation maybe, you know, gives me the solution to a problem or just encourages me to persevere or something like that. But my point is there's this relationship thing that we have, this friendship with God. God has called us into a friendship with himself. So now, these are the things that are part of our calling. This is not exhaustive. We could probably go on with other things, and there's one more thing that I'll point out before we finish. But suffice it for now, what, what are we looking at here? We're looking at being the children of God. We're looking at being the saints of the Lord. We're looking at being the servants of God and we're looking at being the friends of God. Now, Paul says in relation to our calling, he says, walk worthy of the calling. So walk worthy of this. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, let's be clear about what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we are to walk so as to attain a place of worthiness 
so that then we would be worthy to be called the children of God or the saints of the Lord or God's servants or his friends. No, that, that would be completely backward. That would go against everything the, the apostles have been teaching us. It would shift us from the grace of God. It would shift us over into the mode of works. Now, if you want to be God's friend, this is what you've got to do. If you want to really be God's child, you've got to live this way. Uh, and then if you, if you live this way consistently, then at some point, God's going to identify you that, yes, that's my child right there. No, that's not what Paul's talking about here. When he says walk worthy, he's not saying that we are to walk in such a way as to attain to a worthiness. We can never do that. Who could ever do that? Who could ever go even throughout a whole day and at the end of the day say, all right, I did it. I walked worthy of the Lord today. None of us can do that, really. The only person that ever did that in all of history was Jesus himself. He's the only one that could say regarding himself that he had no sin. He's the only one that could say, I always do those things that please the Father. I wish I could say that, but I can tell you right now, I can't say that. I don't always think what I should think. And many times my thinking is undoubtedly displeasing to God. He doesn't want me thinking that way. And I certainly don't do what I should always do. And you, you understand that. You get the point. You're the same way. This is how we are. So that's not what he's saying when he says walk worthy. What he's saying is this. He's saying by God's grace, this is who you are. By God's grace, you're a child of God. By God's grace, you're a saint. By God's grace, you're a servant. By God's grace, you're his friend. Now just act like it. You see, he's, he's not saying do this so you can become that. He's saying, this is who you've become because of God's grace. Now do this. And that's what we see all the way through the New Testament. I don't know how this has become so confusing in the minds of people over the centuries, but it has. Because over the centuries, quite often, the, the perspective has been the opposite of the biblical picture of grace and our good works proceeding from grace, quite often it's been that our good works were going to help us to attain grace somehow. I grew up, as I've mentioned many times before, I grew up in Roman Catholicism, and I remember as a uh, young person in, in that system, I remember that I was encouraged by my spiritual leaders to seek through my efforts of prayer and good works and so forth, to seek sanctifying grace. Now, if you understand grace, that right there is a contradiction. You don't get grace by working for it. The very idea of grace excludes works. If I worked for grace, then it wouldn't be grace. I worked for it, it would be something that I earned. But remember, grace is God's unearned favor. It's his favor poured 
upon those who haven't earned it, don't deserve it. So we're already the children of God. We're not going to be walking in such a way or behaving in such a way to try to become the children of God. We're already saints. We're already God's servants. We're already his friends. Now we are to just behave as such. We are to live out who we are. This is who we truly are. We're truly the children of God, so let's behave like that. That's what Paul is saying. Let's honor and respect our father and show him that honor and respect by being obedient to him. Let's demonstrate our relationship with God by letting those similarities between us and God, by letting them show themselves in our daily attitudes and behavior. And all the way down with uh, each one of these points, as uh, since I'm a saint, since God has separated me, I, I'm not to go live in sin. I'm not to willfully go out and disobey God. No, because that's inconsistent with what's happened with me. God has separated me from that. And as a saint, I'm no longer to be living for my own glory. No, I'm now to live for the glory of God because of what he's done. And all the way down, whether it be the servant of the Lord or the friend of the Lord, but then we come to one other example here of the calling of God and that's the one that we read about in Philippians. I intentionally wanted to read that because it connects us with what we're talking about here today. And I want you to notice, if you want to flip back over there real quickly, to Paul's reference there to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And what does he say in verse 14? Or back up to verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So here's another aspect to our call. It's an upward call. It's a heavenly call. In writing to the Colossians, Paul says, Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. For your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we then shall also appear with him in glory. So that's, that's what Paul's talking about here. As the children of God, as the saints of the Lord, as his servants, as his friends, we are to be pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, we're to set our minds on things above. Now, some people today would say that, you know, you can become too heavenly minded. And if you're too heavenly minded, they say you won't be any earthly good. Now, rather than just dismissing that, there's in some sense, I agree with that statement if we're misinterpreting what it is to be heavenly minded. Now, for some people, being heavenly minded means you just take a totally irresponsible approach to life. 
you know, um, I'm not going to worry about getting a job or paying my bills because that would be carnal. You know, that would be in the flesh. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to be in the spirit. I'm just going to pray about a job. <laughs> I'm just going to pray about paying my bills and trust the Lord to do it. Now, that's obviously an extreme and ridiculous case, but believe it or not, there are people that think that way and talk that way and behave that way. And if that's what a person is referring to, I wholeheartedly agree. But listen, that's not what it is to be heavenly minded. That's to just be, you know, it's, it's to not have anything going on in your head that's worthwhile. It's to be empty headed. <laughs> no, to be heavenly minded means that we set our affection on things above that we're thinking not to the neglect of our responsibility, but we're thinking primarily about spiritual things, about the things of the kingdom, about what's going to glorify God. As Paul says here, pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. It's an upward call. We're looking to the things of the spirit. Or as Jesus put it in Matthew 6.33, we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's our top priority. And here's the wonderful practical thing. I can do everything, and I can do it even better, like my job, like take care of my family, like even engage in my leisure, whatever that might be. I can do all of that, and I can do it while pursuing the upward call of God in Christ because I can do all of that to the glory of God. I can do my job to the glory of God. I should do my job to the glory of God. I should be doing my job in such a way that it's honoring to God. I should be raising my family and taking care of my children and loving my wife in a way that it, it honors God. It glorifies him. And even as I said, in my leisure, even in the things that I do in my spare time, even the things that I do for fun or relaxation, I can take all of those things and I can have still that focus, the upward call of God in Christ. And that's what the apostle is talking about here. And notice he says, I press toward the goal. And the word press here means to, to run swiftly toward. So Paul's attitude was one of, you know, I'm running after this. I'm, I'm not being passive about it, but I'm being active. I'm, I'm running toward it. And now as we move into this section, and Paul is saying to us here back in Ephesians once again, as he's speaking to us about the practical application of the grace of God, he's saying, walk worthy of this calling. It's a high calling to be a child of God. It's a wonderful thing to be designated as a saint. It's a great privilege to be a servant of the Lord. Oh, it's a wonderful thing to be a friend with God. Walk worthy of that. It's a high calling. Live consistently with who God has called us to be, who he has made us to be. That's what he's saying. Live consistently with that. And as I said at the very beginning, the, the problem that so often occurs is when that breaks down in front of people, they don't see anything 
extraordinary about us or anything all that different that would cause them to be interested in our faith. That shouldn't be the case. And of course, that's not always the case. Thank God there are many people that are, are really, you know, living that way. Somebody told me after service this morning, they have a ministry over at one of the university campuses, and they told me the other day that a, a young uh, student from, I think he was from China, maybe came and he asked for Bibles in three or four different languages. And they asked him, well, what are you going to do with these? And he said, well, um, you know, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm roommates with all of these different guys. And they've been wondering, like, why I am the way I am. And I told them it's because I believe in Jesus. And they're more interested in finding out about what that means. So they've asked me if they could have Bibles. I think that's great. That's right. That's the way it ought to be that people would look at us and say, you know, there's something different about that person. There's something with them that I don't see in the lives of others. There's a grace, there's a kindness, there's a love, there's a servant's attitude, whatever it might be. So many different things that it could possibly be. But that's what happens when we walk worthy of the call. People take note. And God, of course, is honored. Remember, I mentioned that portrait of Jesus with the crown of thorns and that inscription. All this I've done for thee, what doest thou for me? As we think of all that Christ has done for us, that's to be the thing that motivates us to live for the glory of God. Because of all that Christ has done, I'll close with this. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And let us run with patience or with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. What was the joy that enabled Jesus to endure the cross? What was the joy that enabled Jesus to wear that crown of thorns? It was the joy of saving us. The author here says, look to Jesus. See what he did. The author and finisher of our faith. Let us run with endurance. Let us honor him and glorify him as we would seek to walk worthy, not making ourselves worthy, but recognizing by God's grace he's made us worthy. Now let's live consistently with that. And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. There are certain Christian books that we would refer to today as classics, books that have just stood the test of time, and generation after generation of Christians have benefited from them. There is a book that is recently published called Gentle and Lowly, written by Dane Ortland. 
And, you know, many people are already saying that this is a Christian classic. Now, Gentle and Lowly is taken from the passage in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says of himself that he is gentle and lowly in heart. And so this book is looking at Jesus through that lens, and we're going to find out that Jesus is much more gracious, much more patient, much more loving than we ever imagined him to be. So this is a fantastic book, and I highly recommend it, especially for anyone who has a tendency to feel like they failed God, they've let him down, or you're not sure about God's love for you. This book is going to, I think, forever give you the right perspective on the heart of Jesus for his children. So check it out, Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. You can order the book Gentle and Lowly by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.